Ever find yourself in a toxic environment at work or even in church? Yeah, unfortunately it's pretty common today. But Greg Atkinson has some solid advice for us next on the Church Solutions Podcast. It's the Church Solutions Podcast, brought to you by StreamingChurch.tv. The Church Solutions Podcast is all about helping you and your church with technology and other encouraging ideas for ministry. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Lacey and Phil Thompson. And welcome, folks, to another episode of the Church Solutions Podcast. I forget the number. I think it's 389. Might be 390 by now. I'll have to look it up later. But uh, welcome, folks. We're glad that you are here. My partner in crime, Steve Lacey, is not with us today. Michael Gray, who normally is with us, is not with us as well. So it's me, but I do have a guest, which I will introduce here in a moment. So we appreciate you being a part of our podcast here. So some uh, business to get out of the way here. We have uh, another webinar coming up. It's a new webinar. It's free, and it's called Seven Ways to Create More Engagement in your hybrid worship. So uh, this is actually, we're going to have Jason Moore kind of host this webinar that we're putting out. And I don't know if you know about Jason Moore, but he's, uh, he's an author and speaker. He's uh, his new book is called both and maximizing hybrid worship experiences for in-person and online engagement. And so the webinar is free. If you want to sign up folks, just, just uh, sign up. It's going to be July 18th and that's at 12 noon. Eastern time. And so you can just go to webinar.streamingchurch.tv, webinar.streamingchurch.tv and sign up for it. It's going to be about 35, 45 minutes. We'll have a little Q&A as well. And Jason Moore is very entertaining. He's a good speaker and you'll you'll enjoy the webinar. And hopefully uh, you'll you'll learn something that will encourage you and your church and, and those of you in ministry. So that's going on. And uh, we'll let you know about some other things. But for today, <clears throat> our guest, is a best-selling author, speaker, pastor, coach. Uh, he's a consultant, and he has worked with churches from all shapes and sizes. He's a c- contributor to many magazines and websites, including The Relevant Magazine, Christianity Today, Pastors.com, Churchleaders.com, uh, an outreach magazine. By the time we get done with his bio, we'll be out of time. But right. no, I'm just kidding. But uh, he's he's involved in a lot of things. He's the founder and uh, of First Impressions Conference, as well as the Worship Impressions, and also co-founder of the Social Media Church Conference. And his website is gregatkinson.com. Welcome, uh, Greg Atkinson, to the Church Solutions Podcast. Greg, how are you today? I'm good, man. Thank you for having me back. It's good to have you back. We haven't had you on for a while. We've had you on several times over the last uh, number of years, and uh, it's just good to see you again. Good to uh, Good to, good to have you on the podcast. You got a brand new book out, which I'm excited about. It's called The Secret Power of Kindness. And, you know, on these podcasts that we do, it, we talk a lot about tech stuff because we're a tech company, but we cover other things because all of us are involved in ministry. And I think this is a very important topic to cover today. And I love I love the book here, The Secret Power of Kindness. So let me just kick things off here with asking you a question, Greg. Uh What's the big secret? I mean, you could have you could have called this thing the power of kindness, but you call it the secret power of kindness. What's the secret? Well, it's twofold. I'm glad you asked. Uh, <laughs> one, the reason the play on the words with the secret power of kindness, which we came up in a team meeting 
was um, the fact that so many people don't realize that kindness is actually a fruit of the spirit. And so uh, this, this little talked about fruit of the spirit has great power. And so, uh, and then that power is the ability to change the world together. You and I can make a difference. I start the book and I end the book saying, uh, imagine a world where everyone is kind to one another. So if you're kind to me and I'm kind to you and we're kind to people that we come across in our day-to-day lives, we can change the world. And so that's the power of kindness. And then that secret part of it is just that it's a little talked about fruit of the spirit or another way of saying a mark of a Christ follower. Yeah. So uh, now, you you know, you've you've been involved in ministry probably all your adult life, probably. Right. And I mean, you've done, yeah. yeah, I just, I just read all your stuff in the bio. So, you know, you've talked a, lo- a lot about first impressions and helping churches with music and worship and reaching people. But, um, but why, why write a book about kindness? What, what motivated you to, to do that? Well, this is the first book that actually has personal stories. It's my fifth book. Um, but it's the first one where I actually share real life examples, real life stories of things that people have never known about me, never heard of, never realized. Uh, You know, I've written two previous books on hospitality, but in this book on kindness, I share personal stories of hospitality, the people that we've brought into our home to live, the, the cars we've given away, the things that we've done that nobody ever knew were happening. And so it's full of personal stories and then it's full of stories throughout history just some amazing, remarkable people that a lot of readers may not have heard of. And so um, I am now in in coaching and consulting, working with organizations and creating kind cultures. I have been a part of toxic cultures. And so um, this this new season of me is to help churches and organizations and businesses. I work with a lot of businesses, create kind cultures. And I was sharing recently with a friend about one of my experiences over the last 30 years of ministry was um, in 2007, I went on staff at uh, a very large church in Dallas and the uh, pastor was Pete Briscoe and my direct supervisor and boss was Scott Dyer that had come from Willow Creek. And Scott was the kindest, uh, nicest boss I'd ever had. And Pete Briscoe, who was the lead pastor, who also just launched a brand new podcast, Um, he was very humble and very kind. And I have been on staff at three mega churches. And I know uh, from my consulting with so many mega churches that that's not the norm. Not everybody is kind and humble and gracious and um, pleasant to be around. But the culture at Bentry was very special. And the culture at Bentry was not toxic. And they were kind and authentic and genuine and, and very loving and caring. And so um, now nearly almost 20 years later from 2007 to 2023, I'm still talking about it and still trying to help organizations create that kind of culture that can really help set up a team to thrive. And by the way, at that time, I was the technical director. And so, you know, my whole background uh, was media and production and video. I mean, that was my Mm -hmm. whole world was the tech world. And so... Um, You know, for a pastor and a worship pastor to treat the, quote, tech guy with kindness was a big deal. 
Yeah, yeah, no doubt. So like you, I, I have been involved. I, I finally, it was over 40 years that I was involved in ministry. I'm actually, I actually kind of resigned the end of 2020. Um, although in some ways I still feel like I'm in ministry because I work with churches all the time with streaming church.tv. But why do you think you touched on something here? And I've seen it too, all in my experience. Why do you think the whole thing about kindness in your experience in Dallas is so unique? Because I have found over the years that there tends to be a lot of toxic culture within ministry stuff, within certain organizations. And I'm not trying to get specific here, but you know, it just seems like the kindness thing that you're talking about here isn't real relevant or isn't real prevalent, I should say, in a lot of churches. I agree. Um, so I, I, I was traveling recently. I picked this up at the airport. Ego is the enemy. And I thought this would be a good read. And I think we all need to be on guard with ego. And what I found in a lot of toxic situations where they put the pastor up on a pedestal, um, almost to the point everybody's heard the term celebrity pastor. But when somebody is um, in a situation where he can do no wrong or she can do no wrong and they, they have a tremendous ego, maybe they planted the church, maybe they've been the founding pastor for 20 years and they build it up to a decent size, and there's a lot of pride that goes with that, which is understandable. But if that twists and turns into um, ego in a negative way, where it's one thing to be proud of something that you help plant and build, it's another thing to act as if you can do no wrong and to carry a, a, an ego, which is the opposite of humility. Um, and so I have been around pastors who are very, very humble and very kind, and they made a great impression on me and a great left a great impact on my life. And I've also been around pastors that were not safe, were very toxic, and had a huge, huge ego, and it was just unbearable being in a meeting with them. And so my hope going forward is to help organizations think through the team as a whole and how we create the best team culture. Kindness, it seems to me that over the last eight years or maybe even longer, maybe more like 20 now, I can never, my age, I always feel like, you know, 1992 was a few years ago, and it's 30 years ago. But it seems to me like kindness is, 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 is just at a very low rate, even in the United States. And, and I, you know, I've seen that with the whole political thing. Uh, you know, I'm I'm 65 years old, and I I grew up with uh, you know people. Well, I remember Kennedy, and I remember obviously Lyndon Johnson, and and all that stuff, and and uh, of course Nixon and all that. But it seems to me like our political realm is just getting worse and worse and worse. I mean, uh, they used to compromise on things. Democrats and Republicans used to compromise on things. I now it just becomes it's just so divided and 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 there's ugly things are being said and both both sides you know republicans and democrats are are in it you know uh do you think why has that evolved the way it has i mean it just seems to me like it's just getting worse and worse you know that's a good question i don't know why it's evolved like that, but I know it's not working. And, you know, when I talk to my kids, which are Gen Z, 
uh, young adults that are in college and grad school, if somebody is putting out attack ads against their opponent, they'll, they'll instantly write them off. They have no interest in somebody that's going to attack somebody else. They want they want to vote for somebody based on merit and their character and what they stand for, not what they're against, what they stand for. Uh, my kids are very active uh, in in their communities, and and my youngest daughter is like an activist on social media, but they're turned off by people attacking other people. And so kindness sticks out to them. If you search kindness hashtags on Instagram, it is huge. There are so many kind and kindness and kindness matters and kindness movement and be kind uh, hashtags on social media. There's just like this outcry and it's just been bubbling to the surface for years. And so when my book came out a month ago, um, what what the response back to us was uh, what everybody has been saying it was it was the right message at the right time just something that our divided world needed and what's interesting about my publisher you mentioned the webinar you're doing with Jason Moore he and I have the same publisher and our publisher doesn't want to do anything political and I didn't want to write anything political so we don't get into Right. politics in the book we just acknowledge that we live in a divided culture and whether you're republican or democrat or independent we're just not getting along right now as americans but we've also heard from people around the world who have read the book but um but there's just something to this thought of kindness because um this publisher has published some amazing books including jason moore's and others they've published some great books but when mine came out last month, it set the record for the most pre-orders of any book that they had ever put out. And so it was like it was like it had hit a nerve. It was like people were saying, yes, we want something on kindness. We, we need this. We need this. And so right message, right time. We just keep hearing people say we need to rally around this, you know. And what's interesting, uh, and I think you would appreciate this, is I'm hearing this from non-Christian friends and family as well. It's not just believers that are saying, hey, I'm all about that fruit of the spirit and we need to have more kindness. I'm hearing non-Christians say, hey, give me a copy of your book. I'd love to read it. I want to I want to rally around you. We you know, the local newspaper here where I live in North Charlotte just did an article on me and it was written by a non-Christian. They were just simply saying we need more kindness in the world. And so I think people are thankful for a non-political rallying cry of let's be more kind to one another. And as I say in the book, what I've taught my adult kids their entire life, and I quote it word for word in the book, what I've told my kids is just be a decent human being. Like, yeah. yes, I've taught them about God. I've taught them about a relationship with Christ. They were raised in church. But at the end of the day, I will tell my kids just be a decent human being and then I have a, my own definition in the book that I share about kindness, and that's treating people as if they're made in the image of God. And so you have unique worth being a child of God. I have worth being a child of God, and we just need to treat each other like that. Yeah. It almost seems, and, and I, you know, I, I get out there, I'm in different platforms as, as well, and it almost seems to me like this kindness movement that you're talking about is kind of being led by non-Christians. It, it seems is. that way to me, isn't it? <laughs> yes. In the book, I talk about Keanu Reeves, who's a famous atheist. 
And I mention him and John Wick and Matrix, and I talk about how he is known for acts of kindness. He's known for showing kindness to his fans, but he has no religion, no faith whatsoever. He's a famous atheist, but he is leading the way in the kindness movement. And I say this is what the church should be known for. This is what we as Christ followers should be known for, and we're dropping the ball. And so this book is to kind of have that rallying cry of we've got to get back of what the early church was known for. I had one of the endorsers of the book, a pastor in California. He said, this has always been the method for the church. Back in the early days, we were marked by kindness and that's how we changed the world. And we need to get back to that. I talked with a leader of a nonprofit who works in communities. And he said, Greg, for us in our work, kindness is a prerequisite. Like this is how we get involved in people's lives. And then Mark Batterson, who I've known for 20 years, was kind enough to write the foreword of the book. And in the foreword, he said, kindness is the church's Trojan horse. This is how we are able to get an audience to be able to share the good news. But if we don't start with kindness, they don't ever want to hear anything we want to say. So in the book, I share that famous quote, people don't know, don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And so kindness is that Trojan horse that allows us to get in and to be able to share the love of Christ. Yeah. All right. So the book is The Secret Power of Kindness. So let's get a little practical here. Uh, You've got 10 keys to unlocking kindness. We probably can't get through all 10, but share with me two or three of these keys that would lead to unlocking kindness. Yeah. So one that takes people by surprise because you wouldn't think of it as super spiritual. It's a very practical chapter where I give actual tips is uh, unlocking rest. It's a chapter on rest and sleep and the importance of sleep. And, um, you know, what I have found is when I am tired, when I do not get the proper amount of sleep, I do not come across as very kind. I am not in a good mood. I'm grumpy. I'm short. And, you know, if you've ever raised young children and had toddlers and they're fussy and upset and in a bad mood, we all see. We all say somebody needs a nap. Somebody needs a nap. And so, uh, just something as basic as taking a Sabbath, taking a sabbatical if you need it, taking a vacation with your family, taking a day off, taking uh, the the proper measures to get sleep. And I give actual tips in the book that were taught to me from my therapist on what he called sleep hygiene. Here's how to have good sleep hygiene. Little things you've heard like to be off screens at a certain amount of time before bed so your eyes are not jazzed up from looking at light and um, just different things that you can do to assure that you get a good night's sleep. And this came about from a practical story I share in the book of my chiropractor after going to him day after day after day with tremendous back pain. And we could not figure out, because I had not lifted anything, we could not figure out why I was in such back pain. And then one day, my chiropractor looked me in the eye and said, Greg, what kind of mattress do you have? And I said, well, why do you ask that? He said, well, you do realize you spend a third of your life asleep, because the average American sleeps eight hours in a 24-hour day. And I said, nobody's ever said it to me like that. So I went out and got a new mattress, and my back problems went away. (laughs) (laughs) I I invested in a nice bed and a nice mattress and that pain that was plaguing me went away when I got rid of the 12 year old mattress that was sunk in the middle and killing my back. 
but um, we sleep a third of our lives. Uh, and so we've got to take it seriously and, um, and make sure we're not running too hard and just exhausted because then we're not going to be at our best self when we encounter people and we may not come across as kind, even though in our heart we want to be known for kindness. Um, yeah. another, another chapter is unlocking wisdom. And that is just asking God to give you wisdom in certain situations and to know hills that are worth dying on. You know, when we talk about seeing fights on social media, oftentimes they're over stupid, silly, minor stuff. They're not hills worth dying on. People will argue over the sky is blue. I mean, it's just little, little bitty things that people get into huge fights and argue about and um, just choose to make a big deal. I always appreciate your sense of humor on social media. I am always screenshotting your jokes. Uh, I, I will show my family uh, some of your posts and some of your jokes because they just are a bright moment in my day when you're scrolling through all this negativity and then one of your uh, observations just comes out of nowhere that's just so <laughs> hilarious. That's a, a, that's a bright moment in my day. But I'm a frustrated comedian. But, uh, yeah, I started doing that years ago. I used to post things like, you know, having a barbecue. and, and uh, But now I realize, you know, people need to laugh a little bit. I love and, what you uh, post. I just don't take myself seriously. So, But I appreciate that. I learn from that. Yeah, I, I, I love that. And then the um, the another chapter um, is unlocking love. And so, you know, love is also a fruit of the spirit. But what I talk about is we need to learn to love ourselves so that we can properly love others. A lot of times when you see somebody struggling with loving someone else, they may not love themselves. And right. so it starts and, you know, the great commandment is love God, love yourself, love your neighbor as yourself, love yourself so that you can love others. And yeah. so I, t I talk about in the book, a pastor that taught that to me in a new way that I had not heard before. Because I used to just say, love God, love others, love God, love others. And I would skip loving myself. And when I properly understood the great commandment that we are to love ourselves so that we can, in a healthy way, love others, it revolutionized my life and my theology. Compassion, self-compassion, I think it, it revolutionized my life. I was always a type A kind of guy pushing, you know, I... I worked in Christian radio for a long time and helped start some stations and helped start some churches. And I was always driving myself and I did not have a lot of compassion for myself when I would goof up. And I think it, it translated into even other people. I wasn't real compassionate to other people like I probably should have been or could have been. But when I started to recognize I needed to have some compassion upon myself, I think it made a difference not only in my life, it lowered my blood pressure, but it also, my wife started to realize I was treating her a lot nicer. Not that I was terrible to her, but I, she noticed that I just had more patience and I was just, no, I still have issues. Don't get me wrong. But uh, she saw a real change in my life. I didn't even say anything. And she, she, and I, 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 I now I spend time every morning meditating and having a quiet time. And, and, uh, but, but I think loving ourselves, having compassion on ourselves as you Absolutely. said, it's just a huge, huge deal when it comes to unlocking. I talk about things. meditating in the book. Yeah. yeah it's a big yeah. deal. It really is. And it's it's so important. And there's different ways to do it. A lot of people, you know, if you're an evangelical that's very conservative, you might think of meditation. But there's you have to understand there's different types of meditation. And anyhow, we, we won't get off track on that. But 
Anyhow, all right. So, so, uh, so, getting good sleep, uh, having loving, loving yourself. Um, now, my issue is if I don't eat, I, I become a different person. There's a there's a Snickers commercial out there. Angry, yeah. <laughs> I have to angry. eat. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's blood sugar issues or what it is, but but I have to make sure I'm uh, my diet is good. My diet may not be good, but I need to at least make sure I've got something in my stomach. I tend to treat myself and other people better <laughs> when I'm not hungry. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So we got a few more minutes here. Um give me another one. Give me another one of the keys to unlocking kindness. Well, another fruit of the spirit is unlocking patience. You know, if we're impatient with people, we're not going to be very kind. And so I have a whole chapter that digs into this fruit of the spirit known as patience. And they always say, you know, be careful praying for patience because God <laughs> will really uh, test you. But um, I, I talk about patience and how we interact with people in the grocery store, uh, on the on the highway with road rage and how we interact with people online, how we interact with our family, our spouse, a lot of different ways that we can practice patience and try to be a more loving individual so that we are marked and, and known by kindness, which what I have found in, in talking about this book for the last month is so many people want to be known as a kind person. It is a true, genuine desire of them. And so what I do is to give tips on well, hey, like you said, make sure you're not hungry, that you're taking proper care of your of your of your diet, that you're sleeping well, that you're getting the rest you need. And then I go into a lot of other spiritual things like generosity and forgiveness and acceptance. And so th there's a chapter on empathy. So I, I dive into a lot of real meaty, deep spiritual things. Uh, the book dives right in off the deep end at the very beginning with the chapter on forgiveness. But I would also say, just like I did with love earlier, if you have not forgiven yourself, you're going to have a hard time forgiving others. And so, as you said, self-compassion, to be able to forgive yourself so that it's easier for you to forgive others. Yeah. So uh, as we wrap up here, there's a lot of people listening to this podcast that, uh, you know, been involved in ministry, either on staff or a volunteer. What would you... What kind of what would you say to somebody that has been that has experienced hurt uh, because of, of lack of kindness? People they've worked with in ministry may not always be ministry; could just be a secular job. But what would you? What kind of encouragement would you give to somebody that's just been in a toxic culture, maybe at their church, uh, experienced pain, experience you know uh, no respect? How would you encourage somebody that's been hammered with unkindness? Yeah, I think I first would just start with, I'm so sorry, you know, that it's real. It happened. I went to onsite in Tennessee. They started the the nine days with the session on trauma and the title was called It Happened. And so just to validate and acknowledge that it happened, it was real. And uh, to offer my apology that I'm sorry that that, you know, whoever's listening had to go through that. And unfortunately, I've been through that. In the first chapter of the book, I share a story of being treated so terribly at a church that the Wall Street Journal did a feature story about it. And so I share my side of what happened and what all went down that the Wall Street Journal touched on in that article. But I understand what it's like to be treated unfairly, unkindly, unjustly. And I hate for anybody to go through that. And my hope is that 
together as pastors read this book and Christians read this book and churches go through the book and eventually there'll be small group curriculum for the book. And so as people dive into this fruit of the spirit deeper, that we can be a more kind society. It's tough out there and it's real. And that's, that's, uh, that's part of life. But uh, the good news is there's hope and there's, there's encouragement and people can change. And, uh, and I think it's, and, and one more thing you mentioned, you know, when somebody has gone through tremendous abuse and hurt, and you mentioned this stuff in the book about some of the physical and sexual abuse, um, as well as discrimination, you mentioned here, just in this church solutions podcast interview, you mentioned that you had saw, had seen a therapist. Do you still see a therapist? Yeah, I believe and, in that. And, and how has that helped you? Uh, a lot of ways. Uh, one, uh, I remember when I was in such a toxic environment on a church staff, uh, I had a terrible boss, terrible supervisor. And what I found for a year was all I did was vent to my therapist. It was just somebody that I could go to and he would say, uh, lay it on me. And I would say, here's what he's doing now. And I would just vent, 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 vent. So the thing about therapy that if people aren't familiar with it, that's so powerful and so wonderful is the therapist is bound by confidentiality. They can't tell anybody what you said. So when you go to them and say, I am furious with my boss, I am furious with my spouse. I am disappointed in my kid. You know, I am upset with my parents, whatever you may confide in or share they're bound by confidentiality. They can't tell anybody, but it allows you to get it off your chest. And you would not believe um, physically and mentally and emotionally all it does to be able to just to say it out loud, to vocalize it and verbalize it and get it out in the open and to say that. And, you know, most good therapists won't share a whole lot, won't talk a whole lot, but they will allow you to just unload and so to have that safe place, and I'm real big on safe, to have a safe place where you can say what is in your mind, what is in your heart, what you need to get out and to say without judgment, without fear of judgment, knowing that they're bound by confidentiality is, is a beautiful thing. And then they can ask you probing questions, just like a good coach would, of, well, how does that make you feel or what? What do you think that comes from? Or have you considered this? And they can allow you to process motion, emotions in a safe place. Yeah. That's so important. I, I think therapy is very important, especially uh, if you've gone through a lot of things and uh, you have to. Well, look, we're out of time here. The book is called The Secret Power of Kindness by Greg Atkinson. Greg, how can people get a hold of you? Uh, well, first of all, where can they get the book? Let me, uh, let me throw yeah, that Yeah, it's just the title, secretpowerkindness.com. Okay. And then uh, that'll wind you up right, right on the book. I'm all over social media at, at Greg Atkinson. Uh, my email, if you've gone through something and you just want to share or, or reach out to somebody, my email is my name, Greg at gregatkinson.com. My website is gregatkinson.com. We're building a brand new gregatkinson.com. So depending on when you go to the website or when you hear this, you may see the new and improved or the old but uh, but I'm just at Greg Atkinson on social media and um, pretty social. I love interacting with people and seeing what people are up to. And again, I really love your post on Facebook. Well, thank you. And I always enjoy seeing what you guys are up to. And uh, it's a pleasure. And I'm sorry we haven't had you on sooner. It's been a while. We need to get you back on again here sometime in the near future. 
Uh, all right. So our our guest today has been Greg Atkinson. And uh, and you heard all the contact information there. If you if you missed all that, drive down the road and you can't seem to remember, you don't want to roll the tape back, just go to streamingchurch.tv. That's us. And you can leave a message there or email us, whatever, and we'll we'll put you in touch with Greg. Anything we can do to help you guys. Don't forget about some of the stuff we've got going on here at the Church Solutions Podcast and uh, the webinars and stuff we've got happening. And uh, And if you haven't subscribed to the post to the Church Solutions Podcast, uh, why not subscribe to it wherever you get your podcast and give us a rating. We'd be uh, pleased to have you uh, uh, one, as one of our subscribers. All right. Greg, again, thank you so much. It, it's been a pleasure seeing you again. Thank you for having me. And it's a great book. So we hope that people will get it, The Secret Power of Kindness. All right, folks, thank you for spending some time with us on the Church Solutions Podcast. On behalf of Steve Lacey, who's not here, or Michael Gray, I'm Phil Thompson. Please take care of yourselves and each other. And we'll catch you next time on another episode of the Church Solutions Podcast. Mm-hmm.